Hello everyone, this is Vishakha Mota. Thank you for tuning into the Switch That Changed My Life. I'm really excited for today's episode because I have a very, very special guest. Yes, my first guest. He's a friend of the family. He's an author. He is a success coach. He's an entrepreneur. And before he was all of this, he was a chartered accountant. Yes, let's take a moment. Let's let's revisit. He is all of this and he's sitting right here. Hello, Mudit. Thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Thanks, Vishaka. And the moment you told me about the idea of this podcast, I knew I had to speak with you. I'm so grateful that you decided to do this, especially because you're my first guest and I wouldn't have it any other way. I was pretty sure when I planned this podcast that it has to start with you. My first question to you is, how do you manage to do so many things? Okay, um, so on the outside it may look like I'm doing a lot of things but I think on the inside it is far simpler and uh, if I compare my life to when I was perhaps into consultant to where I am now, um, I'm focusing on fewer things. I think it also matters that the effort that I feel I'm doing is, is does not weigh down on me as much because I enjoy what I'm doing. So it feels like a breeze doing multiple things. I like the sound of that. I like what you just said. I mean, I think it all comes down to that, right? You have to enjoy what you're doing. I think we all pressurize ourselves so much to constantly chase our dream, constantly chase what people expect out of us. And we we never end up enjoying what we are doing. So I think we are going to talk more about enjoying what you're doing. But I want to understand... uh, this is this is a really unconventional switch, okay? I mean, we usually think, when we think of chartered accountants, we think of uh, these nerds who are buried into books, Definitely. and yeah, right? who have these big glasses on, who are typically very shy, and you know, who, who want to just stick to their Excel sheets and their, uh, you know, tallies. So from being a shy person, you have mentioned that you used to be shy, to going into a profession that is all about talking, uh, talk, about communicating, about coaching. Yeah. What really made you do this switch and how do you do it? Yeah, so I think whatever you mentioned, you know, the big glasses, shy, it all applies to me, describing <laughs> me uh, in uh, as apt as possible. The only thing wrong is that I used to be shy. I'm still shy mm-hmm. and uh, because I would go to a party and you know people are talking, they're networking and I would sit in the corner wait for the appetizers to come in and for the guy to notice me and you know I'm not gonna, it takes me a lot of effort to go out there and talk to people even, even today although it might not look like that on video or speech but That uh, does sound like quite an irony Yeah it is an irony and uh, so, so when I am in that zone I think a part of me literally from inside changes uh, and I'm able to do it differently. But I think what you're talking about here is, um, so it's all about numbers to all about speaking. Correct. How did this sort of transition happen? I was, I was extremely bad at numbers since since the get-go. Really? Yeah, and I remember, so this was I think the eighth grade, Vishaka, and there was this little class test that all of us hated those that you did and submitted the paper. Now it's the next lecture that's going on. And a pune knocks on the door in our school and he says, Hey Mudit Yadav, who is Mudit Yadav? So, teacher is calling in the staff room. So I put on the staff room, knock. I said, ma'am, may I come in? And um, she was uh, she was a mathematics teacher and obviously we were not in good terms for that reason. And she says, uh, yes, yes, Mudit, come in. And so I go inside 
and she hands me this paper that I have just written. And now I'm looking at that paper, and she's looking straight at me. I can feel the weight of her, <laughs> of her gaze, as if like. And I'm looking at the. There's nothing to look in that paper. There's less black ink, more red ink. Like there's a whole circle and cross and circle. She's like, look here, and I look at her, and she goes, "What do you want to become when you want to grow up?" And I just pause here, Vishaka, because when I used to go to parties and I used to see my father introducing himself as a chartered accountant, people used to be like. Oh, sir, you're a chartered accountant. Great to meet you, Greta. Nice to like. I don't know what he does. I want to do that. Yeah. It was like a low-budget James Bond for me. Correct. Correct. <laughs> so, 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 so I didn't know what chartered accountants do. To be honest, I'm still figuring out what chartered accountants <laughs> do. But, but I, so I said I want to do that. And so my teacher asked me, so Mudit, what do you want to do? And I looked at and I, with all my excitement, I said, ma'am, I want to be a chartered accountant. <laughs> and there's this long 3 second silence which seemed to last half an hour and she says with these scores you will never be chartered <laughs> now get lost and go back to your class and i think you know there was a time vishaka you would remember we used to teach teachers as gods correct as we went Absolutely. to college you realized there's an option called bunking which sort of we start to realize these are not gods these are mortals uh, but at that point that that hit me really hard right. because i thought how is it that a class test determines what i can or cannot be mm-hmm. so i started working on maths more and more ninth may there were more subjects uh and the subject i was focusing on most was maths in 7 months vishaka miracle happened another class test another exam and i scored even lower marks <laughs> so after working on it for 7 months for and working months. really hard so it was so it was working out but that that is something i think i kept on until my 12th grade uh and just i'll just also rewind a few years so this was my academic story right. now there's my sports story there's no story because there was no sport <laughs> uh so i think i was in, i i weighed uh, in high school i weighed 93 kg So I was terrible at sports. I was disqualified from the tug of war team because it was based on weight, and I used to weigh two people, but I used to pull like one. Correct. So they didn't take me in the tug of war team either. <laughs> so, but the one thing that really gave me any sort of, I remember this in fifth grade. There was this uh, camel and pig story that I said for a storytelling competition. It was the first ever thing that I did on stage. and i won the contest and i got 500 rupees for and i think inflation adjusted i perhaps won a lakh rupees <laughs> but you know one of those initial wins they did initial they... wins and the first time right. i ever felt i got appreciated for something hmm. and so it has just been that whenever i found a public speaking storytelling contest i kept applying for it and i believe that is how it became my one and only go to mm-hmm. hobby You know that's actually very inspiring, Madhur, because um, to some parts of your story I relate so much, and I relate really very hard because growing up, I was convinced I want to be a marketer because my dad is a marketer. You know, I looked at him and I was like, you know, you are everything. You are my idol. You are my goal, and this is what I'm going to be. And uh, but I was, I I didn't know. I always knew that I love speaking. I absolutely love speaking like I light up the most when I am speaking especially at a public forum like I will have the jitters but nobody is going to know I have the jitters right that's just how much I love it and the first ever time I got recognized for it was but I was probably in 
second grade right i was in second grade i was probably a 7 8 year old girl who walked into a classroom and said um i'm not sure if you remember but the indian indian uh, educational system is such that you end up saying can i come inside <laughs> Can I go to the washroom? Can I eat this? Yeah. We are not taught that you can, but you may, you know. But but I started reading very early on, so I entered my classroom and I just wanted to act really smart, to be honest. So I just new school entered the classroom and told my teacher, "May I enter the classroom, ma'am?" And she looked at me and she's like, "Where were you all along?" Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that day, uh, I decided I'm going to create an impression, and the only way I know how to is to speak. to use the words the way i used them and um spent the entire day giving the right answers uh flooring every teacher because back then making friends was not important what was important was that teachers accept me right so i gave all the right answers uh i mean i had studied beforehand so that i have all the answers for that particular day you were one of those students who made lives of students like me tough absolutely absolutely i was that i was that person all along but um having said that i mean it 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 feels nice that you recognized that this is something you want to get into profession wise because it took me 30 years to get to understanding that this is what i want to do from a profession point of view okay that i want to talk for a living that i want to actually allow people to talk for a living i want to you know get stories out because so far i understood i love telling stories i kept talk, telling everybody i'm a storyteller i kept telling and i was you know but it was all channelized in manners that i never enjoyed right i tried so many things i have tried my hands at uh, working on sets on a, of a production house i have tried journalism i have tried public relations i have tried advertising and nothing really actually gave me the joy that i was constantly looking for sure all of it was telling stories but it was never me telling stories right and that came to me now so i it it gives me immense joy to know that you had the sense of what you actually want to do so early on and did not have to wait so long to actually understand what you want to do i am surprised that you realized in the second grade what i realized in the sixth grade so the competitive indian in me is thinking this boy is bad but i don't want to flip the script vishaka but let's say the 30 year old vishaka could whisper into the ear of the two the second grade vishaka the 7 8 year old vishaka and tell her one thing what would that be mm it would be do this more often you're great at it mm. don't doubt yourself i love that <laughs> yeah i think that is what it would be wow i didn't know tables are going to be turning this early <laughs> i thought don't eat so many chocolates <laughs> ah no no that that's never going to be a regret i think chocolates are my favorite thing <laughs> okay so um you told us how your love for speaking really started and everything but What was that? You know, did do you have do you have one of those epiphanies, or do you have one of those moments where you were like, okay, this is it. This is not what I'm gonna do, and I have a whole different career set for me. Because you know, I mean, you've put certain number of years into becoming a CA, right? Uh, it's a lot of hard work. From what I can tell, I have uh, friends pursuing it. I have cousins who have done it. So I understand that a lot of years in terms of numbers, right? It's also a lot of hard work you put into it, and 
you did put in all those years i mean you got certified and everything you started working at one of the big firms so after getting into that journey what is it that made you realize that this is not my calling and i want to do complete something entirely different yeah no i think that's a good word epiphany and if i can boil it down to one major moment and obviously there are these little minor moments when you're making a mistake in office i think everybody has an epiphany <laughs> when they say i'm going to leave this job next month you know and and then they recover from it. so there are these obviously these little things which are going on but i think the one major thing was so it's since school i was in these public speaking contests as when i could find them um and then across college from the institute of chartered accountants also they organized some contests and so that allowed me to then participate in perhaps city state national level all these different kind of contests and then i was once i was through the national level contest i was i remember very clearly this was january when the contest got done the final one in kolkata mm-hmm. i come back home and imagine the kind of nerd i am not celebrating i'm not having nothing more okay what is the next contest i can go to right right uh, and as <laughs> and then i figured out there was this contest that happens in uh, in london mm-hmm. by the english speaking union and uh, it is an organization which has amongst other things to spread the mission of the english language so that contest i i applied for it, it began with 44000 students globally and then one from each country get selected i was happy to represent india and uh, so once the indian rounds were done the the further rounds were going to be in london mm-hmm. which were due 3 months from that time so those 3 months vishaka i waking up and sleeping all i was doing was practicing and polishing that speech and so london happens and there you know like the olympics you have heats round first I was lucky enough to get to the next uh, stage that was the semi finals which which happened to be an an impromptu speech round so they gave us three topics and um, they said that you can prepare for 15 minutes and then you have to go right on stage and to speak um and i remember practicing for this really well so i just hold you to stick in my mind first 2 minutes i'm going to choose the topic next 3 minutes brainstorm next 5 minutes write down the speech last 5 minutes practice right i had got this whole thing nailed now i get three topics 11 minutes down i'm still thinking which topic now four minutes to go and this guy next to me who's um, a canadian dude who was have carl who became my friend but at, in that moment he was my competitor he gets up from his table and he is with body language and everything practicing his speech wow. and i'm choosing my goddamn topic and i'm thinking all right what if you're done you know this you did good so far time to go back home right mm, it was fun so yeah. long <laughs> so so far so good but it's fun and so for minutes i quickly like choose one topic scribble some things and i'm not ready to go to your next your next your next go go and they push me you know backstage and i don't even have time to think and then i'm able to from you know the backstage echo hear the announcer and now we have from the largest democracy in the world india our next participant mud it they call me mud it right and i realized that's actually better to coach them on modet which would which would take a, a few more weeks i thought mud it was but it is fine completely <laughs> yeah. okay and when he said those words from the largest democracy of uh, of the world india and i am in that moment thinking 
Okay, this cannot go wrong, guys. Okay? Yeah. This is what I'm representing, and I still get goosebumps to think of that moment. And I go on stage, just thinking in my mind, um, I've got this. Hmm. And I go there, I, I do my I do my speech, three minute speech. I think one of the favorite speech that I've delivered. And I then I'm the first person to go in the finals. So there are now six people in the finals. It is HSBC headquarters, Candy Wharf. And now suddenly we should have nobody till yesterday. And now all of these BBC cameras and everybody's on you trying to interview you. I'm having a burger, I'm hungry, <laughs> just stuffing a camera in my face. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, this is what it feels like. You know, this is this is the moment you've been waiting for. And then the finals happen, the same speech that I've been preparing for the last three months. And the result is announced, and I'm not the winner. The winner no. is this uh, my friend Jay from South Korea. And now the BBC cameras don't care. Correct. Um, they're all on Jay, and you know, back to eating your burger, and and nobody cares. So it was those three or four minutes of fame, and I was really, really disappointed. Feels earth shattering in the moment, doesn't it? It, it was. It was. I was away from my family for the very first time. There's nobody in that moment to sort of come and tell you, you know, it's fine, you know, it doesn't matter, don't kill yourself about it. But I felt like the biggest loser on the planet in that moment and I remember walking out of the auditorium while everybody was surrounding the winner and taking selfies and those kind of things. And I feel a nudge on my arm. And I turn around, there's this lady. Uh, she says she's from Africa. She must have been in her mid-40s. She's tears in her eyes and she says, what well, did this five minutes speech that you delivered has changed the way I look at my life forever. Thank you. And in that moment, I felt even more of a loser because all this while I've been using this one skill for winning the next trophy. I'm like, what is it that I can do beyond is to bad people's lives. And so I come back and I, I remember telling my dad I'm having a conversation that this was 2014, 2015 was gonna be my CA final attempt. I said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Because tomorrow, if I tell people don't quit, I don't want to be a quitter myself. Correct. I to go through the Absolutely. struggle and then sort of. So I complete it and start working as a strategy consultant. And at the side, on the weekends, I'm doing this. And when it grows at a level, I think I can quit, then I take the I'm curious, Madhit, what was your topic? Oh, uh, the topic <laughs> was okay, yes, imagination is more important than knowledge. <laughs> Very interesting. I see how her life and her perspective must have changed. I mean, you're talking about this, and I have this itch in my head, and I'm like, I want to know the topic. 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 I mean, but you know what? Yeah, like you were mentioning it. You know, sometimes when we don't win, yeah, it feels like earth shattering. Yeah. But this is what we are here to talk about. We are here to talk about that it's not about winning or losing. Yeah. It's 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 about trying. Yeah. It's about waking up every day and showing up. It's about you know going for it. It's about doing what your heart feels like doing because at the end of the day whether you lost or you won it does not matter the fact that you tried makes all the difference because today you're you're creating impact right you're changing lives you are you are uh, coaching people who didn't think they needed coaching right you're doing something that i think is a is a niche 
especially in the Indian market. And I want you to actually talk about what you do. I mean, yes, you're a success coach, but what does that mean? You know, what what does it really mean? Because when you go around telling people that, hey, you're a success coach, I'm pretty sure you get those eyes. That's like, what? <laughs> what do you do for a living? Yeah. Hmm. So I, I just want you to tell everyone, what is it that your job entails? Yeah, well, that's a good question because uh, on the flip side is now when we go to parties and my father's friends are asking what does your son do, he's, yeah, he is coach, speaker, uh, tell, tell uncle yes. what, what do you do? Yes, because I know my dad would constantly, I mean for the last 5-6 years my dad's been like, you should meet Mudit, you should meet Mudit and I was like, okay sure, I will, but what does he do, you know, like, what does he do? He's like, something motivational speaking <laughs> he motivational speaker exactly like <laughs> you know i was like hmm. no, it's exactly like that um so here's what i do i do three things simplified as much as i can keynotes um workshops and mm-hmm. coaching and these are on three key topics number one is leadership success so working with entrepreneurs um, executives on how they can be better leaders second is executive presence which is uh, personality development at the executive level and the third is influence coaching mm-hmm. so when people are um, they want to be better speakers and influence more effectively in a one to many kind of setup how can they do that better so these are three things that i do let's say keynotes it's typically 45 minutes to one hour workshops could be anywhere between one to two days um, or even half days and coaching is a one-to-one intervention lasting over six to seven eight months very interesting. Sounds intense and interesting. Uh, so, um, the next thing that I want to get into is uh, you wrote a book, right? You wrote a book that is called The Invincible. Now, I mean, so far I'm sure people who are listening to this are also not surprised that you just do so many things. Uh, what What is it that inspired you to write the book? And what can you if in uh, just tell us what is your book all about? Yeah. Um, so I think uh, two things there, one what inspired me and what the book is about. The first one is, is I am not a big fan of writing, mm-hmm. I've only written for my speeches. Don't think that is very inspiring to for people <laughs> who want to write a book to know, yeah, but no, so you can write a book without being a fan of writing, interesting. <laughs> yes, and, and because I thought and the inspiration then was, alright, so the constraint is time. So, you know, you're recording this podcast. It's, I think it's a phenomenal service to a lot of people who cannot hear one of us live and they can hear a recorded version of this. We've created a copy of ourselves out there permanently for people to hear. Correct. And that was the intention with the book because I was going to colleges doing a speech. I was um, going to a corporate doing a, a speech, but then only some people have access to it. And I have this limited time on my hands through which I can then apply it for people. I thought if there is an asynchronous way of me to share whatever I know and whatever I think has impacted me and my clients over the past many years, if I can share with them with my time being involved in the most limited manner, I think that's going to be phenomenal. And so it happened that for three months, because I hate writing, it, it came very difficult. I remember sending my first draft out to my brother. My, my brother is the king of the kingdom of devil's advocates. Mm-hmm. And he's very critical. So, you know, there are some people who are very nice with you, Vishal. You know, he's looking great. He's like, oh, this sucks. Yes. Change that. And he's very specific with his people. And he said, bro, it's, it sounds like I am reading one of your speeches. You can't write a book. I won't buy this book. 
makes my own brother is not buying it's <laughs> not going to be a best seller for Fair sure <laughs> so uh, so uh, i think that process was difficult and for three and a half years uh, every morning ushaka when i woke up i had dedicated the first hour to writing a piece of the book sometimes it would be a couple of pages in that hour sometimes it could be just a few words that i would end up cancelling the next day but what helped me one was the inspiration and the other was to stick on the inspiration to just build a small process around it but okay i i i do this for the first one hour it may or may not have the output that i want but sort of that gave rise to the book now what the book is about personally i noticed about me and uh, a lot of my friends is let's say you are in your office cubicle submitting this report for tomorrow you take a deep break you open instagram somebody is having a beach vacation at mars and you're thinking my life sucks <laughs> right and you're going around how many inputs and when i say inputs it is somebody saying things to you you reading something you watching the news how many things are telling you shaka that you are great and you can do it nobody no the, the, the fairness cream commercial is trying to make you feel you're dark the fitness commercial is trying to make you feel you're fat the poor stars commercial is trying to say your fashion is updated how many things are actually telling you that you know, you you've got this and so i understand that as humans we are we are open systems our environment impacts us right and, and nobody can be motivated all the time and nobody can be sort of demotivated all the time because something interesting will make them laugh etc so if we can have enhanced control on what of these inputs we let seep inside our mm-hmm. minds that would allow us to be invincible so it's the book is not called be invulnerable because you can get hurt invulnerability is the ability of not getting hurt but invincibility is being hurt and thriving that's what the book is about about the mindset skills and habits for sustainable business i think you packaged it really well right now it's it's even though i've read it mm-hmm. i think when you talk about it it sounds a lot more impactful to me at the moment right um there's something i want to go back to that you just spoke about you spoke about process yeah. and you spoke about dedicating it right And I want to just take a moment and talk about this and I want to talk about how important this is when you're trying to achieve anything in life because I mean um I've been trying to get this podcast off the floor for the last 7 months I think you know it's been 7 months where I'm saying this to myself and people around me I'm going to do this I'm going to do this I'm going to do this but it did not actually happen I would always put it off for next Monday I'm going to start writing it next Monday. I'm going to write a concept note next Tuesday or I'm going to do it at 9 p.m. It never actually happened. It did not happen till I told myself that from tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to write this for 1 hour. You're going to write anything and everything that you want to about how you want your episodes to be, what are the topics that you want to cover or what is what is the impact that you want from this, right? And I I just sat down every day without fail. On day on certain days I would write pages. and pages and pages and then there would be the days that in that one hour i would just be scribbling onto one page yeah. and not going anywhere right but the fact that i showed up every day for that one hour and made a process and dedicated it we are recording this today right so i just i just want to talk about how important and i'm i'm pretty sure this is something that got you through different things that you're doing in life right a process or a dedication so Can you talk a little bit more about how important 
process driven attitude has been for you yeah um, that's an interesting question vishaka and i'm glad you caught on to that people usually have a goal based setup in their life if they do for instance okay we are recording this in the end of 2021 so 2022 is the year i'm going to read 50 books right and or 2022 is the year i'm going to lose the 15 kg so now there's nothing wrong per se with a goal based setup if it works for somebody um but what i notice here is that okay let's say it's february and i'm still thinking so 10 months to go 50 books 5 books a month and 1.25 books a week still not bad now april is coming and thinking okay you know 8 months to go 50 books to read yada 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 so yeah. the stuff we do before the exam right so many Absolutely. chapters there this first time and the, and that's the problem and at a point we realize september and still next year now okay, right. next year now 2023 is the book year i'm going to read 50 books you know <laughs> yes. what i'm talking about so rather than having that goal based system how about i say i will read for 30 minutes every day absolutely could be one page five page seven pages 10 pages doesn't matter i just have to dedicate myself to reading 30 minutes every single day and that is then um, is you're more accountable to that process you are not as accountable until april or august because you thought you still have time hmm. but this way you're accountable i missed my 30 minutes today i have to put in my 30 minutes today so i think if people can shift from a goal based to process based system they increase the level of accountability with themselves Absolutely. that's why it works better for me that is so beautifully said the next thing that i actually want to get into is a uh, something that i resonated with a lot in your book yes i'm still on your book <laughs> uh so you mentioned there's an entire chapter dedicated to listen analyze execute the reason why i resonate a lot to this is because there's a whole approach that i use and i talk about and i advocate called uh you know uh, identify analyze and switch it's called the is while these are very different approaches that you talk about and that i talk about i think there's some sense of uh some sense of similarity in what we are trying to get out there in different situations to different people so i just want to understand what your what your thought process was when you talk about listen analyze execute and what does it actually mean yeah um i believe vishaka as as humans we are created multitasking and multitasking is is no talent it, it it is talent for some people and i give it to them but for instance you're speaking right now and you're breathing and you may be thinking about a lot of other things and you're still able to be in this conversation you know we are multitasking the other place or the other time when we multitask is when we are speaking to somebody that's you're listening to somebody and they're saying something now your mind is having multiple processes one is listening to what they're saying and the second is analyzing oh that's a bunch of crap oh you're saying that because you come from that state and people in that state do this anyway oh that is your religion that is why you're saying that did you even apply a perfume before you left your house who the hell wears stone jeans anymore you know you're always yes. there's yes. this internal dialogue that's going yes. on and so what's happening is the process of listening is getting lost in the process of analysis hmm. So if you can separate that process of listening and listen to the person I think there is something that can be learned from anybody 
and even if there is something that cannot be learned from anybody just the fact that you listen to them allows you to understand that person in a better manner as compared to analyzing so once you listen to somebody and then in the post conversation introspection if you can analyze okay you know what this is what this person said this is true and this is what this person said this does not work out for me so you know it may not all be correct and then one can take action based on that thing so really the first important step here if it sounds the easiest but is not analysis is the easiest it comes to us humans right it is um it is in a way ancestral your ancestors before going out of that cave analyzed do i go out in the dark or should i wait till the morning right so you're good at analysis what we're not great at is to stop that internal dialogue and really just listen can i go out on a limb here and uh frame this into something called as mindful listening so uh, i mean i'm i'm an i'm an advocate of mindfulness and what i practice is mindful living so uh, what he just described to me basically in what i practice is called mindful listening where instead of trying to make connections to what the person is saying instead of trying to join the dots instead of trying to think about the next task that you're going to do or instead of waiting for this dialogue to get over so you can quickly go into actually giving your judgment about it or your opinion about it going to the next one thing what you actually have to do is listen yeah. sounds very complicated sounds very very complicated but that that but we listen no yeah. you got to just actually leave your brain at rest and listen you know allow your thoughts to just be outside your brain and listen listen to what that person is saying because yeah. when you listen so much can happen when you listen you actually understand what that person is trying to talk to you sometimes i think as humans we are so quick to judge and we are so quick to respond because it comes to us naturally like right? it's 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 an instinct it's it's like breathing we want to respond we want to react so we are so quick to do that that we we completely forget that before you react the first step is actually to listen so i think um, what you it's it's beautifully how you've put it because i think mindful listening is so important if when you're listening mindfully how you're going to analyze after that and how you're going to then execute it or what you're going to react or how you're going to speak is going to make a world of difference right i think it's it's something that everybody needs to if not practice at least give it a thought you know you know just give it a thought and then see if it resonates with you or not and see if you try it once and see if it works for you great if it doesn't i mean sure we are all doing mindless listening all the time <laughs> Uh, the next thing i want to talk about is uh, i think one of your last chapters in the book is evaluate your lens so from a professional standpoint right i mean since you do cater to your professional set of audience a lot more right what do you mean by evaluate your lens and in what scenarios do you say this what what exactly do you mean when you say evaluate your lens yeah it i think it and it's a great place to introduce this vishaka because we it it really is an extension of don't judge what happens is that what you or i or anybody thinks today is a accumulative of the experiences that we've had until date 
it so happened that and when i started thinking about this was i was in vietnam for uh, for a trip and i was on this island as i was it was dark cuz i think 5:30 pm i thought okay there's a lot of time to go it suddenly became dark now i was scared and think god where is my hotel and so i'm walking and i'm only able to see like something like a little fire burning about few hundred meters uh, on the road where i'm walking and as i'm walking towards the fire i then see the silhouette of a person who's sitting next to that fire and as i move in closer i see the person is holding a cage on the fire and when i reach very close i i realize that there's a there's a rat that he's trying to roast on the fire for his evening meal and i thought man these vietnamese are cruel people the bad people and uh, i think i came to the wrong place for my year end trip so I go back to the hotel and uh, i then fly out to a a larger city which is uh, ho chi minh uh, and there i come out and i'm looking for my airbnb and you know obviously this confused traveler was sort of trying to figure out the language of this and this that i see this one person not very tall maybe up to my chest uh, with uh, this little thin little cigarette butt sticking out of his mouth he comes and pulls the paper from my hand like literally snatches it and like he's reading and i'm thinking like is this a local mafia or like what's going on and and with my he gestures to me and he starts walking in one direction and i'm thinking man vietnam is bad people cruel people bad people. i don't want to be going behind this guy give my paper back i want to reach my guy <laughs> and he's taking me through these little uh, nooks and corners and and at a at a point in time he points me towards a building and there's this photo on the air we missing and like the photo matches with and i'm looking i'm like oh right this guy has sort of helped me and then i thought maybe he's doing it for the money i i i open my pouch trying to grab some of over here vietnamese down and turn around and this guy is lighting another cigarette and walking away and he didn't even care about me and at that moment i thought for one instance i i judged an entire race hmm. of people i judged an entire country and maybe because i come from a background where my, okay my parents are religious and we worship animals in different forms and we've had the opportunity in our geographies to cultivate and have agriculture maybe other countries see those animals as food and it doesn't make them bad people it is just their culture their eating habits so in that moment i think you know vishaka my my lens shattered and i started to think that okay i was thinking vietnamese are are bad people they are cruel people just because of my upbringing just because the kind of family the kind of environment i was coming from it just because they had different dietary preferences does not make them bad people or cruel people they're just people like like i like i am or we are with with different choices so now when i am having a conversation i'm having this this perception which is which is trying its best to have me push to a conclusion before the conversation even begins i try to remove that lens and see the person hear the conversation for what the person is in the conversation is really is rather than influencing it with the lens that i'm wearing that's so beautifully put you know this reminds me of something i was reading this morning actually i was uh, reading uh, this one chapter from a buddhist monk Mm-hmm. who talks about um perception 
you know he talks about perceptions and how almost everything that we are surrounded by and what we do and what we believe in are actually perceptions like what is the truth in this right like for example what you just said how we are brought up as indians is our truth but a perception to someone else right uh what they are doing feels like the truth to them but again everything is a perception what what really there is no there is no truth or there is no reality everything is a from someone else's lens a perception and when you when you talk about evaluate evaluating your lens and when you talk about the story it it just makes me want to you know read the chapter all over again and you know uh just talk more about how how important it is to break free from your perceptions break free from your notions of what you think uh, of a conversation of a person of a situation of just anything right i don't think we as humans are capable of very easily breaking from that yeah, perception it's easier said than done because it's a conditioning correct over and over correct. and over from throughout your life but isn't it liberating when you're able to break that perception it is to understand that i am on the journey to do it is liberating i don't know if i have entirely done entirely it yeah? achieved the process of okay now i don't judge anybody i think but don't you think it's a lifelong process it is absolutely i don't think it ever stops i don't think you can ever come to a point and be like i don't judge anymore or i have no perceptions anymore i think it is something that you need to wake up and consciously take a decision to do every single day and in every single situation i mean i could be entirely wrong but i feel like it's not something that you can achieve it's not something that you can take off it's something you wake up and decide to do every day right every day. yeah and that's and as you shared that vishaka it reminded me of this Uh, this terrible another terrible concept that was bad at in mathematics but i picked up something from it was called limits mm-hmm. yes a number tending to 0 or tending to 6 so i think we can only be tending to evaluating our lens and making our lens disappear but we can never perfect the process or achieve that one outcome that okay and under wow that's wonderful but as we wrap up this conversation i actually want i want people to take something from this conversation more than they i'm sure they already have but you know in our society when i say our society i mean indian society that we live in is constantly competitive right we are so competitive we are taught to be competitive when we are as young as Five years old, right? We are competing to be in the best school, and we are competing to come first in class, and we are competing to be to sit on the first bench and you know be the favorite student of the class teacher. This constant competition as we go along in life, and in this rat race of competition, I feel like you know the line between what you actually want to do in life versus what is expected out of you, and then you make it your reality is so thin. right so thin so i know so many people who are trying so hard and you know struggling and trying to do the right thing but in that what they actually want to do is dying every single day so i want to know what would you like to say to those people who are constantly trying to make an effort to either balance this out between what they actually want to do and what they are doing or you know the people who are trying to just bury the part of them that actually wants to do something that they truly believe in that they think is the purpose of their life but are constantly trying to chase the corporate life because that is what feels right to them because that is what they were taught as children so what would you like to say to them yeah so i think 
as as you asked this question, Vishal, there are three points that are coming to my mind. The first is competition by itself is not bad. I think it's great. For example, there are two companies uh, which are competing for the consumer's business. They're constantly improving themselves and in turn making a product that is better for the consumer. Hmm. So competition in that way is, is helping them. But uh, healthy competition. Healthy competition, absolutely. And not a competition which pushes you to, to the edge and it makes you bad. Obviously, there's some emotional component Correct. involved which can never be completely eliminated, but only to the extent that it's pushing you. That's hmm. one. The second is, I think even the most interesting job in the world it has a, a, a heavy boring component to it. For instance, even if you love speaking and you're enjoying this conversation, let's say, I hope so. <laughs> I uh, am. <laughs> But the preparation for this podcast, you know, make doing the research, writing these notes, putting up this setup, even my uncle's recording here and being so diligent about it. These things are not, you don't wake up in the morning and say, let me do a research today, right? You're not thinking about that. So, so I think that whole fascination of I have to absolutely love what I do is, is sort of too much of a fantasization. <laughs> If the end product of what you're doing and a part of the process you love to do and if the whole process is worth it, then a large chunk of that process, although boring, one has to endure it. Correct. That's the second thing. And the third is, I believe, the question that you asked is that process of moving from what you're doing and what you want to do and that dissonance in between. Um, It works differently for different people. I know people who came to me one day and said, um, you know, I've quit my job. I want to do what you do. Let's say, or I want to do this, or I want to do that. And what's the way going forward? And in my mind, I think you should have asked me this question before quitting your job. Correct. Right, rather than right now. Um, so, but it works out for some people hmm. who push themselves to that. How I would suggest uh, anybody who wants, who has a dissonance between what they're doing and what they want to do is for them to first have the humility to accept that what they want to do may not ultimately end up being the thing that they want to do. So are they ready to take that risk? The second is, if they can eliminate the emotional or the spur of the moment quotient of it. Let's say there's an argument with the boss or the customer says something that, that made you feel. And you think I'm going to quit to send out that email. Let that process not that could be an inspiration but that cannot be the moment of action so okay that inspired you and that started the process but that process does not need to see the day, light of day to day and so what i really recommend let's say somebody's in a corporate job they're not enjoying that they've really figured out this is what i want to do with the first thing and maybe it comes from the fact i used to be a consultant we have this term called ramen profitability mm-hmm. and this is what i did so ramen profitability is means ramen is uh, is is in a way, I, although I, as much as I love it, it's street food in <laughs> Southeast Asia, right? Correct. So if if you had to live on ramen, sort of, in India it would be let's say Vada Pao, and here in Mumbai or the north it could be let's say Chola Batura. Yeah. Uh, if you had to live on your bare minimum expenses, you wear the same jeans for the year, maybe you buy two pairs of t-shirts, your rent, your basic medical expenses, basic entertainment and basic food, that's why called ramen profitability. Let's say it comes to an X number. Are you, with what you're doing, able to sustain that X number? 
that number of shaka could be different for me maybe you are used to a more luxurious life maybe i am somebody who can live with seven people in a, in a room and for, so that number for me might be lesser once i have determined that number and i have found ways and if possible i have started achieving that number outside of my day job that is when i know i'm ready to quit and take the risk but once you do not have that number and you do it then you're in a way you're being confident and i wish you well right but the road ahead might be difficult in case things go out and play out towards the worst case scenario wonderful so i think to just summarize it embrace the healthy competition right be ready for the risk and mindful of the risk that you take and enjoy the process enjoy the entire process and don't just focus on the destination that you're going to get to right thank you so much for doing this madhur it was an absolute pleasure i'm so so thankful for you the yeah, pleasure is mine vishaka thank you so thank much. you so much